It's working. It's working. I'm in the in the studio. We're live in the studio.、Uh, Dave, it's so fantastic to see you again. Hi. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, it's great to see you too, mate. It's、uh, it's actually not been that long since we last caught up, right?、Yeah. It's not been a big gap. Yeah, but we had、time. we had a few problems just like starting the thing because like we had to restart the the recording in our software and whatever. And I tell you、mm -hmm. why. I have a theory why that is because、uh, today. I had every single type of、uh, video、um, meeting in this very browser. Like、um, I'm using Safari <laughs> for day-to-day -day browsing, and Edge is my video meeting browser. So I'm using this for our video meeting right now、uh, in、yep. Riverside, which is the software we use to record this podcast. But also, I had today. I had Microsoft Teams. I had Zoom, of course,、mm -hmm. but I have that in an app because I am actually a paid Zoom user.、Um, okay. I've had. Hang on, I had Microsoft Teams. I had Big Blue Button,、uh, and I had WebEx. Oof! Yeah, so you've had all all the video calls so, today. So that's that's actually why I、uh, I I wanted to reboot my computer before、um, before I joined because it actually refused、mm -hmm. to kind of quit、um, the browser. <laughs> So I was like, ah,、oh, and somehow I can't really visit the page. Like maybe just like maybe have a, have a quick reboot just in case、uh, anything.、Like、yeah, I could probably have killed、Clear、the browser or something, but like, I don't know. Do, This machine reboots. Should we try using、people. FaceTime just so you've kind of got like the whole <laughs> <laughs> group? You know, it's like Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is what is missing? Is there one 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 else? Like,、um, I know FaceTime, yeah, and there's also Tuple, which、FaceTime? is、um, uh, one of my favorite. I actually paid. Yeah, Telesecon can do video too. Tuple, by the way, I pay them a lot of money too, and it's actually、mm -hmm. my favorite video conferencing application.、Uh, if you don't know, it is a app specifically for、uh, collaborate collaborating between technical workers. I wouldn't say like programmers, other other like such、uh, professions, because it can actually、mm -hmm. show you the other person's camera, but it's mainly about screen sharing. Um, and you have various、right. tools to interact with the screen. Like there's the, the whole, the, all the algorithms are、um, optimized for like,、um, like high resolution and and good、yep. legibility over over.、Um, I want to say like perfect color reproduction, reproduction or smoothness.、Mm -hmm. And also it has like various tools. Like I can like tap your screen and then it will give you like a little.、Um, Ping where I clicked it, or I can actually have my、yep. own mouse pointer on your screen, or like share on a keyboard or stuff like that. It's really really nice for、um, working together and stuff for pair programming that kind of stuff. Nice, Jitsi.、Oh. I forgot I had a Jitsi call as well today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because so I just realized calls, because but... that was actually terrible for reading stuff on a on a shared screen because、uh, the the algorithm are obviously not not optimized for that and it was like very confused by my retina screen I think. <laughs> oh well, Daniel, I think you need to introduce the show. It feels like we've not <laughs> properly started. You can't. You, you can't poke me to do. Like I want to. I want to get into that. Like like totally naturally. Like the next thing out of my mouth was going to be. And by the way, hey, welcome to Waiting for Review, <laughs> a show about the majestic indie developer lifestyle. Insert a little crown above my head here. Join your scintillating hosts, Dave and Daniel, and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives. Join us while we're waiting for review. All right, now the show has really started. Okay, <laughs> sorry to、uh, <laughs> to poke you there into doing that. <laughs> poke, poke, poke! Now, Is that、That's... all you do? 
oh dear, that, that flashback to early Facebook days. <laughs> Deep cuts. Deep cuts to the beginning uh, of the computer age. Back when I, the computer gold I, was still alive. I have actually been waiting for a review, Daniel. No way. Uh, Do tell. Went, yeah. So um, I've spoken on the last many shows about the um, refactor I've been doing on GoVJ and, mm-hmm. and sort of gutting it out. Um, so just a very quick version of what I've been up to. I, I, I took my app that I originally pulled together two and a half, nearly three years ago uh, with a design pattern for SwiftUI that I'd, I'd come up with, this this router design pattern, um, which was reasonably involved, had a lot of stuff for dependency injection, setting up your view models, this, that, and the other. Um, and I gutted it and made it more <laughs> classic uh, Swift, Swift UI views. Um, and that's been good, but part of the reason for doing that was to use all of these Swift packages that I've been building over the last six months before that sort of... Um, the, the Lego apps. That's right, the Lego blocks, the Lego blocks mm. for building building my apps. And and with that, I've got like a new settings menu, um, a package for doing my little more apps tray at the bottom that shows like other apps that I've made. All of these things that I've sort of made these these packages to go do, the biggest of which being was the rebuild of, of the video engine that's in the middle of my app that, that enables the user to do the, the A to B video mixing. Um. And I got it into test flight, literally like yesterday. Um, earlier right, on I got an week. email from your mailing list, I think. Yes, yes, indeed. So that's the other thing along the way with all of this. I've been, um, like we spoke last time about me braving sending out an email uh, to, uh, to, uh, to my mailing list. I've got 260-odd people on there uh, these days. Um and these are people who've opted in to hear more about the the app that I make. Um, I've tried to get a little bit more talkative, and so once I put it to test flight, I sent an email out, told everybody it was there. gave I actually created another um, test flight link specifically mm-hmm. for the mailing list. Um, put that in the uh, in in the email. Whole bunch of people have signed up to test flight it. I haven't had much feedback yet, but I've had a load of people bite and start playing with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that 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 feels really good um it's it's been a bit of a bit of a saga and now it's sort of coming out the other side so uh yeah the app functionally looks very very similar to where it did before which was you know the goal this was a an internal refactor more than anything else but now i'm in a really really good place so with that that node library that I made for video pipelines and nodes, yes, thumb up there on the uh, video uh, for people listening in. Daniel just triggered the effect um, on his camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm now at a stage where I'm actually uh, bug fixing. Obviously, after a big refactor, there's things that may have fallen off. Um, there's a few small things. Somebody was, was telling me earlier on actually uh so shout out to leon if you're listening to this uh very very appreciated feedback uh but yeah i um i've added camera support which the app didn't have but the node library had and that's been a relatively quick 
edition. So I've, I've still got a few things to finesse within it, but there'll be small small bug fixes and tweaks in terms of how the camera sort of feed operates. At the moment, if you move the phone, um, it will switch and auto-rotate between landscape or hmm. um, portrait, which if you're doing a landscape video mix, you really don't want that to happen. You kind of want it to stay locked and to just move with the, with the phone itself. Uh, so there'll be a few things there, but... This is everything coming together, Daniel. This is what I've been working for for the last uh-huh. however long on this. <laughs> Congratulations, my friend. The work has been shaved. I repeat, the work has been shaved. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't say that, though. That means you have to start again. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, and like, first of all, you've got to brush away all the hair that's in the, on, the, on the floor and everything, you know, clean, clean up your working area. Indeed, yeah. So that's that's what I'm up to at the moment is I'm, I'm brushing the bits of hair back up and... Uh, responsibly disposing of it uh <laughs> writing git git commits um when i sub- commit my code back up uh to my my repos uh that have much fewer swear words in them these days ah, that's well. always a so, good a good sign once you like once the swear word are coming getting coming out of the git commit messages like that's when yep. you are or are golden um question for you by the way um mm-hmm. how do you organize your building block blocks? Like, are those Ooh. Swift packages? Yes. Or are yes, they, they are. okay, they're Swift packages. So next question yep. is, how do you work with them? Like, because what, what I, what something that I have uh, sometimes encountered is like when I have, like when I work with lots of Swift packages, then I want to, like, I, I want to change something and I mm-hmm. can't because it's in the package instead of my local code. And you can't just go into the package and cha- change it, which is, I think, yep. something I would like to be able to do. Um, so, like, how do you do that? Do you have do you have like specialized uh, checkouts where you replace the the packet with a local re- local copy, or or how do you do that? Yeah, good question. Really good question. So, if I talk <laughs> over the, okay, let's 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 see if I can verbalize it properly for for audio. Um, but uh, okay, so I have a root development directory. Uh, mm-hmm. which is literally just in my home folder. It's a directory called developer with a capital D. That is, by uh, the way, that is the exact correct name you should name the folder where all your Git repositories live because then macOS will actually give you a little hammer icon for that's the right. directory, which is very um, satisfying. Yeah, and I have it dragged into like the sidebar in Finder as exactly. well. So it's Same. always there and, and yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, so there's there's my developer directory. You can imagine that the repo for the app is one one folder inside of that. I've checked it out and it's in there. And then I'm making hand gestures. I really need to not for, for audio. <laughs> but um, yeah, but and, and then within that folder, so you've got the app. And let's say, you know, okay, I've, I've just added one of the Lego blocks to the app. That's easy because all of the Lego block Swift packages are also other directories of repos checked out in the developer folder and i add them into the app as local swift packages okay Uh at the moment because it's just me and i'm not trying to organize a team around this or anything uh all the packages are in their main branch so the the swift packages that i'm using as as these blocks are only checked out to main and any changes go straight into main for them 
Right. I... And you never change the local reference then, like because I, I like yeah. for me, I, at some point I would like I would try to build this on let's say GitHub Actions or another mm -hmm. CI server or anything, and then the local packages don't work anymore, right? Yeah, I'm unsure about that. To be fair, um, you could probably there's... pull them in as sub Git sub repositories and then have them always locally, but that kind of defeats the purpose. Then you just can just like have yep. everything in your own. I've never, never had a good time with Git sub-repositories, to be honest with you. It's always been a fast track to tearing my hair out and then backing out of it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so everything is local to both, like everything is pulled down locally to to compile these packages and brought into the Xcode project as mm -hmm. local packages. And then what that means is, is when I'm in my main Xcode project, as I want to change the the um, dependencies in the Swift packages themselves and, and update those in any way, uh, it just works. Like I can edit right. files inside of them and, and that's fine. The only thing that gets a bit weird is um, if I add a new file to mm -hmm. one of the local packages, um, I have to tell Xcode to update the, the like refresh the package cache um, of that package in the parent app because it doesn't have sight of the new uh, Swift file yet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But otherwise, once it's had sight of that, every edit you make to that Swift um, file will be picked up by the compiler when you build and run your app. All right, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. so that's the workflow. What it really typically means is that when I've done a whole bunch of work, I will go to my uh, Git management packet app, uh, which is... I'm using source tree uh, and I will look at my list of all my repos and I will make sure I commit everything up from every one of the Swift packages and my app, because if there's been changes across the board, then it's no good just committing for the app. I've got to commit for the, the Lego block as well. And I call that out because it's easy to miss and I have definitely missed it before. Come back the next day or whatever, had a bit of a look later on and gone, Oh yeah, I thought I committed everything up for that. It's actually between the app and, one or two of the packages <laughs> yeah oh yeah i have a yeah i have a story about that not, not, not a story about that, <laughs> but maybe yeah like, i'm gonna tell you, tell you later um remind me about yep. sub repositories uh, or something like that but like yep. tell me more about uh govj3 so govj3 uh as it stands at the moment it is the original app with a couple of tweaks to the ui so the speed slider that's in the middle of it I've replaced with something that looks um, a lot more fancy, Daniel. It's got a gradient, a gradient Ooh, on it. nice. Gradients yeah. are, are cool now. A gradients are definitely cool in this context. Like the, for uh, listeners who haven't looked at the app at all, um, because it's like a DJ app for video, um, the UI itself is very, very much based around uh, just this control interface where you mm -hmm. can trigger videos, add effects, everything else. And because of that, there's a lot about it that's not a classical iOS app in terms of its sort of design language and everything else. It's much more inspired by synthesizers, actual DJ and VJ hardware. Um, so you've got this this whole arrangement that's all about controlling the video with a, a speed control in the middle and an A-B system for sliding from one, one channel to the other of the video. Um, and it's fairly colourful, right? It's dark with a neon accent, typically, mm. uh, colour 
because again it's been designed to be used for um, situationally a vj would typically be mixing video in say a nightclub or on stage with a band you don't want a light mode ui that dazzles at that point right you want it to be dark with things highlighted uh and and to not yeah light light the user's face up or whatever when it's on um, because they're on stage it's typically dark with bright lights around them you know the the ui needs to just sort of stay out the way and fit um so all that to say like that's the setup and now what i've got within this because of the lego blocks is the user can switch their themes around so they can customize that accent color is Mm -hmm. broadly what the the themes are doing i've chucked a couple of light mode ones in there just because i can and i'm curious to see if my assumptions meet what other people are using the app for now that they've got the choice i'll be able to track with shout out to you daniel telemetry deck analytics ding (laughs) (laughs) brilliant brilliant we've just triggered lasers on daniel's camera i have triggered lasers lasers? yeah accidentally (laughs) um yeah yeah so i'll be able to track and see what things are are more popular than others i guess is, is what i'll look for um that's not too important but i am curious uh, and then, yeah, the other side of this is that now this is all in place, uh, the video pipeline is a node-based system, which is a package as well to bring all of that in. Uh, and already I've seen a bit of the benefits of that. I've, I've got a, um, a test app where I can play with nodes and link them together and stuff. And I've now gone and added some of the effects that weren't in there that GoVJ originally had. So that's good. That means they're now there for me to use in anything else. And uh, it it really is coming together, like adding in the, the camera feature, for example. I have I did that last night. The night before, I I pulled everything and pushed it to test flight and sent out the, the email and all of that. Um, but last night, I was playing around with this camera input that I'd already built a few months back in the package, I've got some tweaks I need to do, some bug fixes I've now found in use, but I wasn't learning how to add um, the camera from first principles anymore or having to go back to any old AV foundation code. It was literally just, boom, I want a camera. I've got the camera (laughs) input node. Off we go. The the biggest deal was arranging the UI so that I've now got a, a camera button in the appropriate place. So, yeah. Um, Fantastic. The system, the system is working. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is off to the races now. I'll be getting ca- the camera um, the camera stuff once I've added a couple of controls for it that I want. I will... Uh, <laughs> you are triggering fireworks <laughs> for some reason on the video. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll add some stuff for the camera, push another test flight out to folks testing it. Uh, there's only one more big feature I want before pulling it together and releasing it. Which is? Uh, with, uh, network display interface support, NDI Oh, support. yeah, yeah, we talked about this a lot, so yeah, displays it, over the network. That's right, and, and NDI seems to be having a bit of its moment in the sun slightly around yeah. the edges of the iOS um, and Apple community at the moment. Uh, I don't oh, know is, if it, is it the technology that also allows you to view screens on VisionOS? 
That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. So fantastic. Pe- um, yeah, so there's quite a few of these things popping up now where people are using NDI to bring external feeds into Vision OS. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that, that's that's um, that's a whole other side side topic, Daniel. I've got some ideas for stuff I want to do in Vision OS at some point using that that technology. Oh yeah. I saw today. I saw someone. Uh, I'll have to look it up who it was later. Uh, well, no, I see it. I see it here. Like just uh, uh, Chaos Tian or Tian mm-hmm. created or ported. I don't know. Like uh, created a viewing app for Formula One content for Vision OS, and that's amazing yes. because when I watch Formula One, sometimes I have this app called MultiViewer where you can have like like five screens and like that's perfect because i could like you could like just put all those screens around you yes and i was like oh now i actually need one because <laughs> 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 so far i just like i don't think it's exactly for me but yeah. now i of wow. course need one <laughs> wow so it's going to be the f1 that gets you into the the vision yeah Pro. i mean i mean i need something like but the other day i thought oh i'd probably rather buy a PSVR 2 before mm-hmm. I buy a Vision Pro because I have a really good monitor mm-hmm. and I have enough experience with VR that I know that some of the 3D content doesn't wow me as much because of the way my eyes are. So I have like yes. slightly, slightly less good depth, per- depth perception than most average humans. And um, also it's just like, I don't know. I don't. I can wear a VR headset for an hour, maybe or two hours, but after that, it just gets annoying. Yeah. And so I think, and that plus the fact that it's basically a um, an iPad, where I, mm-hmm. I I feel like constrained by the by the apps app style uh, interaction model. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the device for me right now. But a PSVR, on the other hand, you can put it on <laughs> your head and then do racing games, you know, or space games, which is like nice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, could you be? Could you play? Would it make sense to play Kerbal Space Program in VR? It you'd, might make sense have to go to fly them, it right? into a first-person perspective. And I know there's yeah. a mode for the first one where people are actually doing that for VR. So you can, yeah. if you install that mod, uh, play the first one in in in, in first-person mode, and then in VR. So you're always inside the rocket. But of course, everything is way harder. You can't like use uh can't zoom out and like plan your whole trajectory through the solar system ahead because like you can't zoom out right uh or yeah. if you if you do then it kind of is a bit nauseating i guess so i'd be i'd be terrible tricky. in a first person version of kerbal space program oh yeah, yeah. it's like it's like a thousand times harder like that's the whole challenge basically if no you go, if no you i, I would be on... a terrible person then you'll give me the option to to uh slap or punch one of the, the kerbals <laughs> i might be tempted to to give it a go <laughs> yeah i mean we should totally do that the, the cute little green guys um we're way into the weeds here on, on yeah. this. I had, but, uh, oh yeah, I, I remember I wanted to tell something about submodules and um, Swift packages, that kind of thing. Yep. I now realized the thing that has been annoying me about uh, view controllers in, or actually just controllers in Swift Vapor, the thing I used to, to make my API, which is mm-hmm. I um, very early on decided I want to have a separate repository full of just um, data transfer objects, which is basically structs that define how my server is talking to the outside world. And then I can import them into the now defunct iOS app and also the, the server. And both are using the yeah. exact same format, which is kind of cool. 
And even though I'm, I, I've stopped working on the iOS app, I've used those uh, same data structures uh, all that uh, on and on and on. And that used to work, but it, it makes it makes things a lot uh, like very hard, especially because even if I want to have a new version of a um, of a controller, like of an API, you, you have of course a versioned API, then. Yep. Um, I'd, I'd have this dilemma where I either I change the structure, but then I change all of the structures or I don't change the structures and I'm kind of constrained to, um, you know, one. And now yeah. I've realized the thing that how I want to do it in the future, which is um, basically just like have the, the structs. They are part of the classes that form the view controllers. And so if I make a V3 view controller, that ca that has its, its structs and they'll stay the same. And then later, if I make a V4, I will copy the structs and modify them uh, so that they fit in here. And I think that makes way more sense. And yeah, so okay. I so that is one less sub-module. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kill one. I mean, your, your road, it sounds like all roads are leading you to some sort of monorepo ultimately daniel no not really like i actually have various submodules which are very good as submodules or as as swift packages like i have one for the data transfer objects yes mm -hmm. um, i have another one for how inside of telemetry deck um the query language is defined like this is all the query language is all all also just everything is uh, swift structs and so yep. uh, but of course they have to parse and unparsed to a specific format so they are compatible with Apache Druid because I want to keep that compatibility. And yeah. so um, there's like a huge amount of tests in that repo, uh, in that Swift package that just like make sure that is the case. And then yeah. also that whole um, package also deals with um, compilation, which is I say I compile these queries because uh, telemetry deck query language has a few, has a few, I say a few, but by now it's actually a lot of, uh, helper functions of, um, syntactic sugar that Apache Druid doesn't know about. So I have to compile those down into hmm. the more verbose Apache, Apache Druid syntax. And so those are gotcha. compiled queries. And so that also happens in that, um, in that, uh, Swift package, which is, yep. uh, actually, uh, far enough removed from the main server code that it makes a lot of sense. It's way quicker to work on it in a separate repository than push yeah. it and then import it into the main API, which has its own tests. But um, that way, that's, that's actually a really good separation of concerns. So um, really it probably, probably speeds up your compilation times to maintain some of these separations as well, right? Because then like the that it gets yeah, compiled yeah, right, as the right. package and sort of cached as that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I'm really hoping that Swifts will soon because I saw a few um I saw a few uh requests for, for that. I don't know if they have been accepted in the Swift um mailing list. But um I really hope that Swift at some point will get the option to re release just like pre-built packages where like you you have like a Swift package and it includes the source code but also a binary for mm. let's say ARM and I, um, x64 and yep. that way you will never have to uh, compile this package if you are one of the uh, architectures that it already has been pre-built and that would be so cool because one of the um, packages that swift vapor is built on is swift neo as swift nio and mm -hmm. that just takes on my machine which is a very powerful m1 pro 
takes uh, like if I do a fresh install, I, it takes like six or seven minutes to compile. Oof. And that is just like yeah. before it starts on my code. And so, <laughs> and like on yep. my machine, on my machine, it is, yeah, it is, it is fine. Like uh, I don't have to rebuild from scratch so much, but on the CI, like it always mm-hmm. builds from scratch because it's a CI system. Yes. And so uh... it always, I, I, I'm now paying for the biggest machine that GitHub offers and it still takes like 12, 13 minutes or so to compile the telemetry deck API, wow. which is yeah. kind of frustrating. It's not really world shattering, but I think I would really have, I would really love for that um, to be quicker because it's just like a yeah. lot of wasted computer cycles, wasted electricity. I was going to say there's actually an environmental footprint off the back of that, of everybody compiling and recompiling worldwide some of these things as they use them. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. And I could could also see there being another side of it, which will be the security side, I guess, in terms of like somebody could put something in the binary that doesn't, that isn't present in the source code, for example. I mean, yeah. But you can very easily verify that by actually compiling the the binary the source code and comparing it with the binary. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, also someone could just slip something into the source code that is undetected as well. So yeah. I don't think yeah. that's horribly bad. No more horribly bad than than what we've got, I guess, to some degree. But what uh, could what what's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> famous <clears throat> famous last words. Um, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i tr- trying to pick up a train of thought here, Daniel, actually, mm-hmm. because I, I, as you were talking, I guess I'm wondering, you've just given a description to us of the telemetry deck stack as you've got it arranged. How does versioning work inside of, of, of that stack? Like, if you want to make version two of an existing API, what does that look like? Right. Uh, you mean API versioning, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How yeah. it looks like uh, right now... Um, is that I'm, I've actually recently moved a lot of, like, so, okay, so if you are looking at URL paths, how you actually call uh, the the APIs, those look like, I don't know, api.telemetrydeck.com slash v1 or v2 or v3, and then slash, let's say, users, and then slash uh, password. Hmm. Um, so, and so the, there's a versioning string in there, and yes. that routes uh, to the various uh, classes. Inside my project, I have a, fo- a folder v1, a folder v2, a folder v3, and mm-hmm. in, in inside of there, there's either either um, individual files that say like something like v3 users controller, or yeah. v3 I don't know insights controller, or if there's like more subcontrollers in there because like there's just so much functionality in that part of the tree that it makes sense to split it up into multiple files. There's like subfolders. Yeah. Um, Previously, those uh, controller um, classes would then use the the data transfer object structures or structs from the shared um, Swift package. Mm-hmm. But in V3, uh, I've moved away from that. I'm just like I'm defining them as uh, directly inside the classes. Yeah. And then also in my tests, I'm not even accessing those structs. I'm just like writing, sending and expecting JSON strings directly because that's what yeah. and most most APIs would actually do. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's basically how that okay. works. It makes a lot of sense as to why you're bringing the, um, bringing the data structs into 
the controllers in that yeah. case. And because it, it was very con convenient at, at, in the beginning when I was working on both the client and, and the server in Swift to have the same structs. But even then, um, I I did kind of gate the, um, I had like a, a V1 version of the structs and the V2 version of the structs, which is actually, yeah. I put all of them inside an enum. I, that there was like, they were like DTO V1 dot. Yep. So you would, had like DTO V1 dot user and DTO V2 dot user. Um, yeah. but because the controllers don't switch version at once, it kind of takes some time. Mm -hmm. Um, and like sometimes something stays on V2 because there's still no need to change it. Whereas other things are, are skipping ahead. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really make sense to group them together like that. That's cool. That's really cool. And I, I think you're going the right route there in terms yeah. of, I think even of that maybe I would have considered if I could, we would recreate the API today, I would even uh, consider having the versioning at the end of the API. So not at the root, yeah. But, um, you know, I would be like, hey, api.telemetry.com slash, let's say, slash organizations slash create slash v3 or whatever. And then I could version that specific API. But mm -hmm. that gives you other problems, which is um, which is basically that you have, you're kind of con con committing to one tree structure and can't change that which is That's right. also kind of yeah. bad. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole book about this. It's called Build <laughs> APIs You Don't Hate, and I will link it in the show notes. Yes. Because the author escapes me, and it's about two meters away from me behind me right now, but I don't want to leave this microphone as long as That's real. all the interesting, cool New Zealandish people are here and all the fantastic <laughs> listeners as well. Hi, listeners. Yes. You're fantastic. Kia ora. <laughs> um, I want to tell you what I did today because I'm kind of proud of myself. Go because for it. I, um, so Telemetry Lake is hosted on Microsoft Azure right now, and we are part of the Microsoft Azure startup program, which is really, really cool. You get $100,000 worth of Azure credits or up to, like it's kind of in stages. We're at the yep. highest stage. And um, you can just like, splurge on Microsoft Azure services. And they're kind of hoping that you're after your year of um, your of free stuff runs out, that you're staying. So um, the year of free stuff is running out and <laughs> I'm not, I'm not staying. I am, well, I'm partially <laughs> staying. So I think okay. um, they have, they have been really nice to us, but um, the thing is that one of the, th one of the things in uh, telemetry Dex uh, server stack are the so-called historical nodes um, I don't want to go into detail right now because that's a whole other show, but we can talk about mm -hmm. the architecture at some other time. But this, these are the servers that are the big and beefy ones that when you might run a query, actually search through all the data in real time. And there's caching in, caching in there and there's the distribution and horizontal scaling. For, so, so for example, if I have like four of those, then um, all the data will be distributed between them. So all, all four of them can maybe work on one fourth of the query that you're actually um, building. Um, right. And then it will be merged together at the end. But these are like big computers. So um, let's say like they have 64 cores and 256 gigs of RAM, and they actually need a lot of, lot of disk storage. storage so they'd, they'd have like between 400 and 800 um, gigabytes of storage. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be fast storage as well, because all the data is on disk is too much for for the RAM, so it needs to be kind of kind of fast. Um, yeah. These are really these machines are really expensive on Microsoft Azure. Um, 
you can conceivably make them a bit cheaper if you pre-provision them, which is mm -hmm. like basically you, you tell Microsoft, yes, I'm gonna gonna buy this for a whole year and then pay still pay monthly, but then it's a bit, a bit cheaper. Um, but I have still been like experimenting um, with one of our newest. Uh, I want to say hires, but we're not actually paying him anything right now. So he's more of a buddy who's helping me out. Um, and he's getting um, telemetry, uh, telemetry merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with this friend of mine, um, I, have, I have to ask him if he wants to be named. But um, so far with this friend of mine, we've been, um, we've been experimenting with various things on how to move this server. So we have uh, talked to various other hosting platforms. Some of them... Uh, our local um, computing centers that just like in the in the, in the area that just offer like co-location or other versions of, of types of hosting. Uh, I have looked at Amazon AWS, which is completely impossible now because they used to have a similar program to uh, Microsoft Azure, but now you can only get into that program. I guess it was very successful and everybody just like thought, oh, let's get some free credits. Yeah. So now to get into that program, you need to be part of a venture capital accelerator or a startup accelerator that okay. is actually part of a venture capital company. Um, and you can kind of, you, you have to kind of prove that because they give you some kind of code and then you enter that code and then you're like, uh, and also right. there's various tiers. And so I asked around and got a code from a friend of a friend and that code was <laughs> only good for 5,000 bucks, which is decent money, but it, doesn't make a lot of sense to then move all the infrastructure over to a new hoster. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I actually talked or actually looked at a local company too called, uh, or a German company called Hetzner, yes. which is where every, apparently all of Mastodon is hosted. <laughs> yes. Or at least two thirds of all <laughs> Mastodon instance servers are hosted by this company because they are very cheap. What you, right. you pay, you, you get bare metal servers, servers there and, um, most of the servers that they offer aren't even um, server-grade hardware. It's consumer-grade hardware. But you get yes. one of the machines that I just described. You can get them for 160 bucks or so per month, which is right. really, really cheap. Um, yes. uh, but they're not uh, they're like, uh, or at least they're said to be not as reliable. I think I have kind of experienced more, more downtime with them before we moved mm -hmm. to Azure. Um, but so it is possible to have a kind of tunnel using the an app called WireGuard uh, between this server and the rest of the cluster and then have some of the historical nodes live in another um, at another hoster. And if those kind of go down, then there's still enough historical nodes with the main cluster that things will still work, but there's kind of slow. And so I've been um, I've been talking to Microsoft today. I've been talking to this buddy. I've, I've been talking to Amazon today. And also I talked to OVH today, which is a French hoster. Okay. And they might actually offer us another 100K. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to um, ask them very nicely. It is nothing, nothing is really done yet here, but that would be really, really great. Otherwise, we're going to move um, a few of the servers to Hetzner, I think, and still leave yep. the rest at Microsoft Azure. And I have not wow. written more than three lines of code today because I've been CTOing. Yes, yes, that's definitely the CTO hat that yeah. you've you've been wearing today. Yeah. Uh, not an actual hat, but maybe we need to get you a few, Daniel, and you can pop them on so people on the YouTube <laughs> can see which, which hat you're wearing today. Uh, I like that. 
I'm not a hat wearing person normally, but like solely. Like if I had a hat that said CTO, I would totally wear it. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I uh, I love that, Daniel. That, that everything you've just described there is the payoff of all of the hard work you put in uh, last year or the other year, um, making this work in terms of clusters and distributed nodes and that side of stuff. Right? That that's that's the payoff is now. Yeah. It's it's you know relatively. I kind of want to say it's platform agnostic. There's probably some technicality in there that that disproves that point. But but as you were just describing, you can have tunnels between different providers, right? And yeah. that gives you the a bit of that is actually the thing. I want to stay with Microsoft Azure for everything that is not ephemeral. What does ephemeral mean? files on disks or uh, entries in a database because yeah. um, on Microsoft Azure and of course with other hosters as well but right now on Azure we have various Postgres databases that are managed databases which means there's no actual server that you are responsible for it's just like you click on the make a database thing and then a database mm -hmm. appears with you can log in and it's just there and it will never go down and if it grows too much it will automatically like have more space or more CPUs or whatever. And yeah. that is a, and it is just like backups to the bajillions. And so that yep. is really, really good. And the same thing is for files. We have a lot of files because all the signal data is files at the end of the day. Um, yep. Files plus database entries that point to the files, but yeah. And so these are really, really worth a lot because if those are gone, like I can just like close the company down tomorrow, right? So yeah. um, those are backed up in various places, but they are. I'm very happy that they are in Azure Blob Storage where they feel reasonably safe. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And, and also, if you were to not do that and do something else, you're then taking on the job of all of those things you've just described. Yes, that's the other thing. Like, I would yeah. if if I if I move this something else that doesn't support this, I suddenly have another hat which is administrator for a file server and administrator for various database servers. Which is I'm very happy to not have to wear these hats. Yeah, and, that's three different hats at least. Yeah. I think you've you've got like yeah DBA hat. You've got some sort of DevOps type hat, some sort of SRE type hat to wear on right. that. Like that's and that's a lot. Yeah, as the more parts of especially this admin stuff i can i can give to someone else like this buddy of mine will probably earn the complete hat of the i don't know sre system mm -hmm. for telemetry deck which i would be so glad to to give someone else that hat yes. um and yeah i think this year is kind of the year where i distribute my hats more you That's mentioned that my, uh, my theme you you were giving them some merchandise. If there's not a hat included in that after this discussion, <laughs> Daniel, I'm I'm disappointed. I think you you literally need uh, some telemetry deck hats. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually recently, me and Lisa decided on the next thing type of merch that we're gonna make slash order. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna tell you what it is yet, at least on the air. Mm -hmm. But I am very much looking forward to it. But it's not hats. Oh. Okay, it's not hats, but maybe I, uh, maybe the next maybe the next time. I'd love that. I'd love that, and I'm actually really curious to find out what it is. I mean, uh, one of the one of the various platforms that we order merchandise for that already have our logo will probably have a hat where it's just like just kind yeah. of slap the logo on a hat. But that feels kind of like cheating, you know? Like I, 
Well, I don't like, know. I don't know. Merch kind of has to be a bit original. If it's just a thing with the logo on, I don't mm. know. Like, uh, you got to put your know. marketing hat on, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a tooth the other day. Um, and uh, that gave me the idea for a T-shirt that I want to print. Um, and I, uh, this is very, this is very, very um, good content because you know. Uh, here, <laughs> here it is. Okay, I need, I need to look into my. Uh, okay, so imagine a T-shirt and there's just a text on it, which is, uh, privacy, security, anonymity. Which okay. is privacy, security, anonym, anonymity, but in the form of liberté, égalité, fraternité, the, the three, uh, like, um, I don't know, calls of war of the French Revolution, basically. Yes. And oh, I don't know, I, I, if, if I can put that in, into, into, into a nice font, uh, it feels kind of nice. Also, privacy okay. is not a real word, which makes it more funny. <laughs> yeah. Like the other two are actually real, um, words but privacy uh, is actually a different word but i kind of like it like it this way <laughs> well i think you need to link that for people yeah. so they I, i'm gonna link the, the tweet the tweet actually because the original is by sarah joy hey sarah joy mm -hmm. on uh, the mastodons so i'm gonna link to that and I'm i asked her i asked her if i can actually modify that and put it on t-shirt and, and she said yes but if you do then you might have to send me one which i will do then that sounds fair. Oh, well, Daniel, it has been lovely catching up with you. Uh, but as always, I've got to go and start my day now. It's uh, first thing in the morning here in New Zealand. First thing in the morning, coffee, then Daniel, then breakfast. Uh, coffee, breakfast, Daniel, then off into work. Right. today. Even better. But but yeah, even better, even better. I'm well fed, I'm well caffeinated. And now I've had my weekly fix of, of talking to you, Daniel. Oh, I like that. Uh, we moved our recording one day back, and I think that's really good. That works for me actually a bit better because Monday and Tuesday are very full days for me, and Wednesday is slightly less. So Wednesday yeah. recording day is very nice. Yeah, and you know, I'll get the show out. We'll, we'll keep our schedule, keep the right. streak. That's that's the idea, right. week by week. Awesome. But I, yeah, I would. I'm very much uh, looking forward to next week. But uh, you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate us on iTunes. Rate us on uh, the YouTubes now that we're there. Send us emails yes. at contact at waiting for review. And Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Mastodon over at dave at social.lightbeamapps.com. Uh, and you can find all about my apps over on lightbeamapps.com. How about yourself, Daniel? Yeah, please go to telemetrydeck.com if you want to know more about telemetrydeck, my analytics solution. And also please annoy me with weird jokes and puns uh, <laughs> at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. Right, Dave, have a great day. See you next week. Catch you later, Daniel. Bye.